Welcome. Welcome back to Dead Men Talking. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Arnie. I hope you are. I am. I am. It's been, uh, we've kind of been on a hiatus for a few weeks. It's good to be back. We have. Um, all three of our listeners have been very anxious to get our, <laughs> our, next, our next episode. We've gotten, so for we've you been three, bummed. were you three, you mean a lot to us. Yeah, we just yeah. want you to know that. We just haven't been. I'm able. not sure who I knew the third one is. I've had one that has asked me about it. I know we've had one ask you about it. Yeah. <laughs> so when the next episode. So, uh, But hey, that's encouraging. We've had some people ask about when's our next episode. So that's that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah, we kind of took a break during the holidays. Uh, it's a busy time. A lot of stuff going on. And um, Well, we had one COVID quarantine. Yeah. I was, I was quarantined once. We had a weather issue that snowed us out. Yeah. And uh, so um, I don't think we really intended our uh, holiday break maybe to be quite as long as it was, but uh, no. all's good. We're back together and talking about hopefully some interesting things other folks will uh, find interesting. You Sounds know, good. so it's always good to see you. I, uh, we've had a chance to talk and hang out the last couple of days. So more so than we had been the last few weeks. So I've enjoyed it. I had a good time. Well, before we go any further, update us on, give us a, a brief update on Tris and Noah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, they are in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. And, uh, so the first three weeks they had, man, it was a really long trip. It took them about I think a little over 50 hours to go from Knoxville to get to Port Elizabeth. So it was a tough, long trip, but they made it safe. Um, so the first three weeks they're there, this would be week two. They've been helping with a camp, uh, youth, uh, children's kind of camp thing. And uh, so this week, I think on Wednesday, they've got over 100 teenagers maybe teenager boys, I'm not sure, but 100 teenagers that are going to be staying from Wednesday through Sunday. They're cooking all their meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Uh, they got all kind of cool stuff planned for them. Uh, Tris is excited to learn how to cook uh, South African meals. <laughs> and um, But uh, they're really enjoying it, kind of getting acclimated to it. So I'm not sure at what point when this three weeks worth of camp stuff at some point they're going to take a couple of weeks and go with the lead missionary that's they're working with and they're going to go up to mozambique for a couple of weeks and do some survey work about looking at potential areas where they may want to go Perfect. back you know for an extended commitment and start planting churches in mozambique so It'll be really exciting. I'm excited uh, to see how that goes. and But sure. they're doing well. They're doing really well there. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know if it'd be this time, maybe maybe a little bit further. It's summer there now, so I hope winterish. I'd like to go over, maybe visit them in Mozambique here in a year or so. After the mosquitoes have died away, is that what you're saying? After what? The mosquitoes have died <laughs> yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. For sure. But uh, it's funny. One of the videos, Tris, we kind of communicate with these little, it's an app that you can send these little videos. And uh, she had sent me one and was talking and kind of showed me the terrain. And she said, 
yeah, hey, uh, here it pretty much looks like Tennessee. And uh, she showed me the video. It does. It kind of looked like Tennessee, rural Tennessee. Sure. So, but um, they're doing well, doing well. Thanks for asking. Good. Very proud of them and excited about what God's going to continue to Absolutely. do and see how all of that unfolds. Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Um, so, um, uh, I think you wanted to talk about kind of uh, Genesis. first. Well, I think you wanted to talk about reading through the Bible yeah. in a year, right? Yeah, because that kind of led into that. Um, year, years ago, and for several years, uh, I always made it a point to read through the Bible every year. And the way I like to do that is I like to get uh, many different publishers put out a read through the Bible in the year Bible. And it, it gave me the chance to read different versions, to make fresh notes maybe um, than I had made before. A lot of times it's amazing how the notes turn out to be very similar to notes you have in other Bibles, but still it's a, it's a, it's a cool process. So uh, I want to encourage everybody, by the way, to do that. Uh, it takes about 15 minutes a day uh, for the average reader. Uh, so if you're a slow reader, make it 20. You know, if you're a fast reader, make it 12. Uh, whatever it is, but that's that's not a huge investment when you think about it that way. And in one year's time, you can cover the entirety of Scripture. And some people say, well, I, you know, I can't digest it. To, well, we need both kinds of uh, feeding on right. Scripture. The panoramic view, the big view, uh, to read it in big chunks. You know, nobody expects that if you read through the entire Bible in a year that you will have memorized every verse and you will have grasped every theological concept. But the, But reading it in that panoramic kind of view helps you when you dig into the small portion. So some people say, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to read the Bible that way. I, I'd rather read it in small. My answer to that is both. <laughs> you know, take your 15 minutes a day for your, for your Bible reading through the Bible, and then whatever it is that you want to study or contemplate or dig deeper in, take some time and do that. So, you know, uh, what in the world if we ended up with half an hour a day out of 24 hours in a day, if we ended up with half an hour that we were actually in Scripture, would that be so tragic? And so I just want to encourage people, if they've never done that, to do it. And you say, well, it's already late in the month. That's okay. You know, if you end up four, five, six, seven days behind, uh, you know, there's not going to be a chime that's going to go off and you become zapped into oblivion. I mean, you, it's just something that you can do. You can pick up one of those, read through the Bible. If not, you can go online. There's all kinds of things online that give you a reading plan that you can check off. So just encourage you to do that. Yeah. You and I kind of talked about that a little while ago, while ago, and I've never done the bought the one year reading plan Bibles. I've always just used like a, uh, you know, a reading plan, that kind of thing. But I, after talking to you about it, I think I'm going to go out and get me one and start it wherever at. And I'll just finish on the, 11th or 12th of January, whatever. Yeah, uh, whatever day. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do that this year. That was really interesting. I don't know. You know, it's so funny is you see those, you go to stores, you see these one-year Bibles, and it just never occurred to me. I've just always, you know, tried different Bible reading plans. Yeah. 
but it's never occurred to me. They're paperback. They're probably not terribly expensive, are they? What yeah, is... fourteen to twenty bucks, depending yeah. on <clears throat> where you get them. I mean, you can probably get them online on Amazon right now, since we're already past the first of the year. <laughs> they Maybe might they even be on sale. sale. That's right. <laughs> so, so you can pick them up. You know, relatively inexpensive. What a tiny investment. That's a. You know, at, at our house, sometimes we talk about things like this, or I, maybe I do. That's two Chick Fil A's. Uh, right, <laughs> you know, yeah. That's, that's that's two Chick Fil A's. You know, give yeah. up uh, give up the potato rounds and biscuit and uh, and then a sandwich one day, and you got it. You've got yeah, it, so. yeah. That uh, I, well, thanks for the encouragement. It uh, it's encouraged me to do that uh, a little differently than I've done in the past. I'm looking forward to it, and so thanks for encouraging all of us in that. Um, so what are we going to talk about today? Okay, so so as I as I started that and kicked that off, and I think everybody that anytime that we read scripture, uh, this kind of stuff happens. You know, we we use phrases like "jumped off the page" or <laughs> you know "saw something I never saw before." And the reality is, we we've seen it before, uh, but it speaks to us in a in an, an enlightened way, maybe or an exciting way, something that God wants to speak. So I'm reading along, and uh, this year, uh, what I'm going to read is through the New Living Translation, which is you know an interesting translation that that I like to read. I always cross check it with a more literal translation and those kinds of things if there's anything of theological significance, but it reads very well. And so I'm reading along down through there and I get to verse 4 and obviously not too far in. And, and verse 4 says this, and God saw that the light was good. Obviously he had just created light. And it says then he separated the light from the darkness. Hmm. And I found that incredibly interesting. And what hit me was that in light of our conversations, in light of our world, you know, it's one of the things we wanted to do when we talked about this. How do you apply what God says and what he's doing to the world and its situation and all of the division and all of the strife and all the struggle in our world, the, the hypocrisies, the posturing, everything, that right here in the very beginning, God separates light and darkness. Uh, he, he makes them to be divided. Uh, God brings light. That's a revelation, his revelation, self, here I am, truth. And he separates that from that which is ignorance of God, not understanding God, not seeing God, and then by definition, that which is false or deceiving. And so right here from the outset, he does that. Light is one thing. Dark is another. They're incompatible. And as the and as the uh, story of Scripture unfolds, we find that they are mortal enemies. Now we have to be careful not to too much confuse night. God actually puts a light in the night, a lesser light, uh, but He still uses that nighttime as an analogy of when darkness has the opportunity to reign more. But the key is the separation of those two things. Yeah. So. Uh, and I, uh, I, I probably should have looked it up. There's a verse that talks about how creation is how God reveals there is a God. It doesn't necessarily describe who that is, but uh, just the mere fact that there's creation is evidence and proof that there is a creator, a God. So what I th is interesting about this, so he could have created this however he wanted, right? I mean, he didn't have to make it a, a solar system of planets that revolve around a sun. Let's go back to light and dark. 
he didn't have to make it where we have so many hours of light a day and so many hours of dark a day. So is he saying something to us really specific about these, the difference of light and dark? What is he saying to us there? Yeah, every you know, and that hit me too. I mean, that's I'm glad you brought it up. As I was thinking about that, hit me too. Every single day, God tells us there's a difference in light and dark. Absolutely. Every single day that exists, 365 times a year, God says, light is one thing, dark is another. I've never thought of it like that. But and, that's and, and that the and that the how incompatible the two things correct. are. They can't coexist. They can't coexist. And and in Romans, in the early part of Romans, is where it's talking about that 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 men from creation, men know there's a knowledge, there's a there's a conscience, a with knowledge there of man that he denies, as he denies the Creator, even though it's been there in the picture of creation. Yeah, and there's also, and you were talking about how those two, dark and light, are incompatible. There's verses that talk about how light overcomes darkness, right? Right. How do you overcome darkness? You expose it to light. Exactly. It dissipates, it kills it, yeah. right? And isn't it amazing? Like, you know, as, as a kid, I guess maybe, maybe I'm weird, but uh, I think all kids, uh, when you sit in a dark room and you have a flashlight, I mean, you know, what most kids do when they get a flashlight, they burn it until the battery goes out, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just how fascinated I was in the idea of how little light it took to change not being able to see, not right. being able to move, not being able to function, how little light it really took to actually change the whole thing. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's, I've never really thought of that. And in particular, so I've often thought about, you know, the grandeur of mountains and skies and oceans and all this declares, you know, there is a God, but just that simple, what, you know, what does he mean? Why did he create dark and light? So, Let's move forward from there. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and in context of what's going on in our world today, one of the things, and, and I may have mentioned this when we talked about unity. Uh, I'm getting old, so forgive me if I repeat myself. <laughs> but um, th it, it strikes me when I listen to one side, the left. I, I mean, just name it, the left. And I and I listen to what they say, and I hear how illogical their arguments are. And I see how they don't synthesize with truth and reality. And I wonder, how does that which is ignorant, that which is illogical, that which is an exercise in contradiction and hypocrisy, how in the world does that compete in the arena of ideas with that which is true, that which is logical, that which uh, does uh, comport with common sense. And the only answer that you get to is that because they're not constrained by morality, there, there is evil. So where that which is true, that which is right, that which is good is constrained, it's a, it's a narrow path, it's a narrow road, right? Correct. But outside of that, 
there is this idea of just immorality being able to play now. So which side is which? Because everybody says, well, you know, you have this side and they have their opinions and there's good in that and there's good. Okay, here, here's my breakdown. There's one side that believes in the taking of innocent human life. They, they, they march and parade and wave banners and cheer when celebrate celebrate the idea of just wantonly for convenience sake in most cases taking of innocent human life they applaud the destruction of the foundations of society which is the family you know the bible says this is the family this is how it's built and they tear away that fiber well without the basic structure of foundation which is the family no society can live they deny the biblical god they may talk about gods they may talk about religions they may even claim to be christian but they absolutely deny the biblical god by any stretch of a reasonable looking at the contents of scripture and they promote lawlessness as long as it's their lawlessness right well everything's subjective right so everything so you if there if there are no guardrails, everything's free game, yeah. right? And we can make up our own rules, and you know, and, and everything in society, we can end prayers with a man and a woman, right? And are we We're getting there to talk about that today? <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring that up. <laughs> But, okay, I, but, I sense a tangent coming. But, can you see my blood boiling? I can't. The, the guardrails are off, though, right? They, I mean, right. The, that's the mindset concerning everything in society is there's everything's free and open, right? Right. And that's and that's <laughs> how that's that's the only way. That it can compete. And I thought about it like this. You know, you take uh, two people. One can actually run a little bit. And the other one is a plotter. You know, just thump, 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 thump along. The other one can run. You're going to have them race on a track. Typical track around the football field, right? Well, at the high school where I went and where I grew up, there was a chain link fence no longer there. Uh, and there was a gate at about the 50-yard line on each side. And I thought, well, if you've got two people that are running and one can run and one can't, but there's one that always cuts across the field. Well, even though there's no logical reason why that person should be able to compete, if they cheat, if they are not constrained by morality or decency or integrity, all they care about is the outcome, then they can suddenly compete. Yeah. And that's, I think, what we see happening. Yeah. At least, at least for me, that's that's how I come at it. So, again, it's it's an ignoring of this very clear delineation that God makes of dark and light. Yeah. So, where do we want to go? We want to talk about one specific. Do we want to talk about light or dark? I mean, I- yeah. Well, I think to kind of expand that. There's two other issues uh, that I think in the early part there of Genesis that come out that I think do tie into uh, how we see ourselves in the world where we are today and how those things kind of interact. One is the issue of ultimate origins. Okay. Uh, If you want to think of it this way, how does the uh, non-organic, the Mm -hmm. inorganic uh, material part of what we see, what we experience, how does it get here? 
And the other part uh, may be the organic part, life. Uh, so you, you tie into ultimate origins and evolution. Uh, two big questions that are not just for scientific and philosophical debate. I mean, they tie into how we actually live our lives. Correct. Uh, the way we view those things. How maybe we can, how a human being can uh, function with such a lack of light. Uh, as such an ignoring of the light. So you take the issue of ultimate origins. In Genesis 1-1, obviously, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. So now what the, the debate becomes is natural versus supernatural, right? So you've got the natural. And what the world means when they say that is, you know, you and I as Christians, we, we take it as being the material aspects of the world, versus the immaterial or the spiritual. What the world means is something different. They mean that which is, and even though they might not always admit this, here's what they mean. The stuff that's real and the stuff that's imaginary. Natural is real. I can perceive it with my senses. I can touch it. I can taste it. I can feel it. I can understand it. I can see it. So therefore, it's real. Supernatural, imaginary. Maybe uh, in some kind of philosophical sense or emotional sense, you can find some kind of comfort or something in it. But we all know, wink, wink, quote, quote, it's not real. So you get to a basic question. How does everything get here? Is it natural? Is it supernatural? Uh, if natural is just all that there is, then how do we deal with that? Well, here's the thing. Natural is not just all that there is. Natural from our human perspective, natural is what we can currently perceive, what we currently know. So it's not real versus imaginary. It's what we currently know versus what we can't yet perceive, see, touch, feel, or explain. And I think that's an important distinction. Yes, you want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> okay, okay. yeah, I, I may have kind of stopped. Here, here's an example, if that's kind of confusing. Uh, many, many years ago when it came to sickness, people believed that it was supernatural. Uh, not that it was imaginary, but that it was supernatural necessarily. There were things like vapors, okay, and uh, night winds and spirits, that caused people to be sick. It was supernatural. Well, then when the microscope is invented, we come to understand things like viruses and bacteria. Now, viruses and bacteria were real all along. All along. They were real things. Uh, they weren't this ethereal kind of stuff out there. They were real things. Well, now suddenly man can perceive those. They, he can see those. He's now equipped to be able to do that. Well, in the same sense, we have to understand that God is real. Uh, he, just because we can't, with our senses, put him in a microscope or, or we can't do those kinds of things doesn't mean that he's not real or that the supernatural, as we might refer to it, is not real and actually substantive. So uh, we get to this basic question. Where does everything come from? Two choices. Everything either comes from absolutely nothing or everything comes from something. Now, even the natural world that we understand, that can't explain that. 
Because the natural world we see is that everything comes from something. And yet the world wants to say, well, everything comes from something except creation. (laughs) It just suddenly appeared. Because I don't want to deal with this ultimate cause because that's supernatural. I don't have the equipment to perceive it yet. Well, and... Maybe that puts up guardrails that I don't want in my life, right? Yeah. (laughs) If there's an ultimate cause, uh, which, again, is the only thing that makes sense, to say that everything came from nothing. Well, there was this lump of material. Where did it come from? Well, it was just in space. Where did the space come from? You know, you go on and on and on and on and on. Where did where did where did that come from? So there has the only thing that makes logical sense is an ultimate cause. Yeah. And so to try to deny it just because I can't see it yet doesn't make sense. And what you hit on is exactly the point. If there is no ultimate cause, if I can push that away, then I have no fear of accountability. Yeah. If there is no ultimate cause, I don't have anything to answer to other than those forces that array themselves over me. And if I can claw and clamor and make alliances and cheat and lie and steal and scratch, and if I can do that, if I can overcome those things, then ultimately I have no accountability. Uh, My accountability is only to myself. So I can push that all to the side if there's no ultimate cause. Right. Which I guess is ultimately that's, that's, we've talked about selfishness, this, you know, so that's ultimately our problem, right? As, as human beings, this is what we always fight is this desire for me to be the king of my castle or whatever you want to call it. Right. We don't want to surrender to anything. And that'll and that is part of what allows me to function in the dark as the darkness, if you will, uh, because there's no ultimate cause, there's no ultimate accountability, and so therefore, I can just stand up there and lie. I mean, uh, isn't it interesting how they show those clips of politicians, and they can they can put on national television, on the internet, they can show. I mean, literally them saying one thing. And then in the very next appearance that they do, saying the exact opposite. Now, for you and I, here's what would happen. We would, that would start to come out of our mouth, and there would be a check in our spirit. Now, as Christians, that would be the Holy Spirit. Right. But even aside from being Christian, just as a point of integrity. Conscience. Because we would have some grasp of a greater power. Right there would be a check that would say, wait a minute, if for nothing else, because we would be afraid that we would get caught. Well, whether we logically, uh, you know, uh, wrap our minds around the thought process, if our ultimate goal is for me to have free reign and everything and no accountability, so... If that's what I want, I desire, I seek, and I'm determined to have in my life, then I'm naturally going to gravitate toward people with those same type mindsets. Right. So now we've got groups of people 
like-minded that gravitate and, you know, and ignore, want to support one another. Yeah, and ignoring the ultimate cause. Yeah. I don't have to answer to a bolt of lightning that struck a soupy pond and electrically, miraculously <laughs> generated a living cell. I yeah. don't have to answer to that. Right. That's ridiculous. That's asinine. Yeah. But if there's an ultimate cause, if there's a designer, even if I have no concept of his uh, of, of the holiness and the goodness that we get from the Bible as right. God reveals himself into what as he develops what this light really means. Even if I have no concept, I'm just I can just grasp that there is something greater. Then there is an awakening in me that checks my ability to just lie with impunity, to 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 cheat, to steal, to change the rules midstream, to not play by the same orders of integrity and morality because there's no ultimate, I ignore that ultimate cause. Yeah. So where do we go from here? Next part that I think is addressed there is this idea of evolution. So that's the kind of the inorganic, the powerful, the, all of that. Uh, we brought, brought in some of that with the idea of the lightning and the ooze and yeah. turning to that. Yeah. But, but the idea, the issue of evolution, and again, I find this kind of interesting in uh, chapter 1, verse 11. Oh, by the way, I'm going to go backtrack one second. Uh, the idea of the literal, uh, this is just kind of a side note, uh, but this is one of my pet peeves. The, the big debate about whether God created in seven days or six days or whether it was uh, <laughs> the word day meant uh, an age or an eon right. or blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I think a lot of times people who are Christians actually capitulate to the scientists because they're so afraid that they'll look ignorant to the world. I don't care. The world can the world can think that I am the most ignorant person that ever set foot on the face of the earth. I, I don't care what the academy thinks. I've come to understand the academy. Never mind. I'll stop there. <laughs> but I'm not impressed by the intelligence of the academy. It's data in, data out, drink, drink in ideas, right. puke them back out on the page, be donned and in, in intellect and so forth. So, uh, see, I, I got, I got fired up and lost my train of Your thought. day. Yeah. The day. So, Throughout this account of creation, uh, God says six times, there was evening, there was morning, a day. That, I don't know, So he's, and he says it six times. Right. So I don't know how much more clear the ultimate cause God could have been that he did this in six days and not through the process of, of evolution, which by hours. the way is a good feed into where we're going with yeah. evolution. Um, a literal 24. I don't know. I don't know how else he could have said it unless he said, Hey, I'm talking about a literal 24 hours, <laughs> but the, the, but the scriptures are so much more poetic than that. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was morning, there was evening. A day. day. All right, now, so we'll move on. So the idea of evolution. Good point. There's people I, I respect that are on both sides of that, but that's hard to dispute. I mean, that's pretty black and white, right? You would think. Evening, morning equals day. Yeah, but you see, when I, when I spend 12 years learning Hebrew so I can <laughs> debate over the word... <laughs> You know, I mean, there's there's a context and there's clarity yeah. and there's and, and and I don't know how much more. There's just the common sense of reading. But anyway, evolution, evolution. In um, verse eleven, when God 
creates the plants, vegetation. He says something that's that's very interesting, and just to, to kind of read it as it's written in the New Living Translation, he says, Then God said that the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came, kind after kind, depending upon your translation. Well, then throughout the rest of creation uh, or, or the creation of uh, living things, organic things, if you will, uh, God continues that same language of kind. But here in verse 11, I think he has set the key. Again, not to repeat himself over and over saying the same thing like he did with day, but he sets this key of kind after kind. And so then what we have in verses 21 and 22, he creates the creatures of the air and the sea. And he says the same thing after, according to their own kind. And so this idea of be fruit and then be fruitful and multiply. He wants them to be fruitful and multiply. How do they do that? The same way he's already described. They according to their kind. Well, then he says the same thing about the land animals. And he says then he wants them to be fruitful and multiply according to their kind. How do they do that? Go back to the key, verse 11. Kind after kind. They produce what they are. Stunning, isn't it? And then the same thing with man. And so according to kind to be fruitful and multiply how? The same way that anything as a seed does, it produces its kind. And so again, I don't know how God would have been more clear in saying that. So, But what's interesting then with man, it's not just kind after kind. It is breathed intimately from the life of God into this creature. In chapter one, he just talks about man. In chapter two, he goes into the intimacy of how he really did man and and, and how he breathes life into him in that intimate relational way. Uh, and he does that because he has created man in his image to be the ultimate reflector right. of his truth and glory and his goodness and grace as he works in and through us. And so, Right there, if again, people that are lost, especially, but anybody can you can set scripture aside if you want to, but you can't deny what it's clearly saying. Yeah, and and so you have this idea that that then there is this not evolution, but this revelation of God through organic life, and how kind will produce kind. There is a birth. And that birth then produces kind. There is coming a new birth that is designed then to produce after its kind, to produce, to carry forth that same gospel. So here we have this picture, this consistency. Uh, you know, a man, a plant doesn't produce both uh, figs and bad, Oranges. you know. I mean, you know, it's 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 this here in... In Genesis, that basic fundamental thing, that which is lost will produce just more of that which is lost, that which is of the, of the darkness, that which is of the light will produce after its kind. It will bear fruit. Attached to the vine, it will produce fruit. And so these fundamental things hit me here in Genesis. Light versus dark. Ultimate cause, that means there's ultimate accountability, and this revelational creation, not an evolution, that's clearly outlined in Scripture. And, and the thing that goes back to that, if we've just evolved and how, we and how I kind of 
see tying that into the discussion of how do you have these two sides of people and that if we just evolved, then it's okay to treat man just like an animal. Right. You know, I, there's a certain way that I treat my chickens. Uh, I eat their eggs, and then when they get through making eggs, I chop them up and I fricassee them, you know, I, uh, and I put them in a pen. And I, <laughs> or, excuse me, I free range them. Or, or how, you know, how you, you know, however you do that. But, but now when it comes to a, a bigger picture, political, global, societal, well, if man is just an evolved animal, then I can then 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 I can tend him, I can manipulate him, I can treat him in a way that is most advantageous to me. We can uh, murder millions of babies and right for convenience sake, or I can just lie with impunity politically to to get my way to maintain my power because you right. know I mean and, well, and here, it's only a a person right yeah. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's just it's just an, just an, other an evolved people. creature. I mean, you know, and 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 I can, you know, a farmer. You imagine a farmer. Oh, you know, we have all this thing about how and and, and trust me, I'm an animal lover. Yeah, Animals no, I know should be you treated yeah, Absolutely, well. absolutely. I, I I cry every time old Yeller dies. I mean, <laughs> I've seen it a thousand <laughs> times. But, you know, uh, I'm an animal lover. But but the farmer can pride himself on how well he treats his chickens. Oh, he treats them well. He gives them a beautiful coop. He protects them from the coyotes. After all, those dumb chickens don't know how to protect themselves. So I'll protect them from the coyotes. And then eventually he chops their head off and eats them. Well, there's a certain ilk of politicians that do the exact same thing. Right. How can they do that? Well, you know, it's just... Humanity's a commodity. And, and, I know, and I know better. Yeah, humanity's a commodity. Well, that just makes sense if it's an evolved creature, if it's an evolved being. Uh, it doesn't make sense... But I can justify it, right? Because I because I then become the caretaker. Up until I need to chop their heads off. <laughs> up until I need to use them. Yeah. So, how do we want to wrap this up? I have no earthly idea, except just to say, you know. So here we have some very key principles that I think do speak to where we are today. Dark and light. This ultimate cause to which I'm answerable. And the fact that man is not an evolved creature, so therefore you cannot treat man with a lack of integrity, with impunity. You cannot. You have to treat man right. Interesting in the in the in the covenant with Noah. You know, I, I mentioned that a minute ago. I think uh, this idea that, or did I did I talk about? I don't that think a you did. Ago? I don't think you did. Okay. Well, just then very briefly. There's the flood, and there's. Um, Everything is erased. God sees the wickedness of man, that the evil of it. In, in other words, they're in the dark. They're, they, they're, they're loving the darkness. He wipes them away. And then he delivers Noah and his family through the flood, a picture of salvation of Christ, you know, coming and saving them. Uh, and then he establishes the covenant with Noah, which is this early, early covenant, right? And it's interesting how few things there are in this covenant with Noah. One, he says, I'm never going to flood again. Two, he says, I've given you the animals. I want you to rule over them and eat them. <laughs> you know, yeah. And and three, he says, your part is I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Same thing we've been talking about. And then really, really interestingly, the fourth thing is, is capital punishment. He says, if man takes the life of another man, he must be put to death. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay, why? He says, because man is in the image of God. Yeah. So for me to hold to a theory of evolution takes that out of the way that I that I treat man. So so I understand this that if I lie to manipulate man politically and move him around, I'm going to answer to God. You know why? Because I have just besmirched an image bearer. Yeah. I haven't just I haven't just manipulated an equal to my advantage. I haven't just I haven't just uh, handled an evolved organic creature uh, to to things that come out better for me. I have actually um, done evil to an image bearer of God. That's huge. Well, it obviously is really important to God Himself, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so here's what I, uh, we've talked about some really interesting things in this podcast. This is really interesting because uh, I think there's a lot of depth that we individually can go back and think more on, uh, you know, after we, you know, whoever's listening to this, there's, right. there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of uh, without sounding too, it was pretty, this is pretty deep conversation, deep stuff, right? Can be sure. I mean, yeah. And we've just, obviously That's what's, we've just sprinkled on the surface. Yeah. But it. I guess I, it's challenged me to think more about this. Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation really a lot. I think it's a super fabulous way to start out the new year. And uh, at the beginning, right? Yeah. Well, it's challenged <laughs> me because, you know, we, We've had conversations. We've all talked about evolution and these kind of things, but uh, it's pretty deep. Yeah, and, and the thing that always comes back to me is these things have an impact on how we actually live. Yeah, well, right. Uh, and, and, and how our world actually functions. Yeah. So for me as a Christian— to just nod my head and sheepishly back away in a discussion with another, quote, Christian who says, well, you know, I don't believe in a literal six-day creation, blah, 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 blah. Well, okay, then you have just stepped into the trap of the darkness, and God said I divided that from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Because I said kind after kind, and I said evening, morning, day. And that's going to have a big impact on the way human beings treat each other because now you have brought into question uh, what God has said, yeah, and, and and God has said it and done it that way because He's expressing expressing His light, His truth, His image. Yeah, and uh, and also how we when we do these little things that we accept, it opens the door for us to be able to justify exactly you know wrong thinking about who God is and what His intent and purpose in his creation is right? exactly it exactly just opens the door for us to move away well man i sure have enjoyed this you know one thing too i want to before we end mention uh i you know for the three people that do listen to this <laughs> podcast we love you if you, you yeah we do if, if you if you like this podcast share it yeah share it with friends uh you know um uh, we're grateful for the three, but we'd love six or eight or 12 or whatever. Now you're just no talking idea. crazy. You know, we, may have, 
I haven't really looked. There's analytics we can look at yeah, and see how many people yeah, are we're being facetious in on our podcast. The whole point is, if you like this podcast, if you find it um, beneficial, share it with other people you know. Absolutely. And uh, we don't make any money off this or anything. I'm not necessarily opposed to that but, but we don't we don't make anything out of this ian's laughing ian would probably love to make some money off this guy. well you know the sponsors are lining up yeah oh yeah we've got a man beating down the door so anyway i sure like hanging out with you yeah, guys and I having a conversation you, with you and uh we're gonna get back in the groove regularly uh having conversations on dead men talking we'll see you next time